Hello and welcome to Smalltalk Reflections, a weekly podcast for discussing and promoting the Smalltalk programming language. On this episode, we talk about debugging. My name is David Buck, and with me today is Craig Latta. Hi, Craig. Hi, David. So how is Christmas treating you so far? Oh, great. It's nice and slow and dark. Around here, it's surprisingly warm. It's uh, it's above zero, so we don't... Uh, well, all of our snow is melting, so it's kind of strange for December for us. Wow. Yeah, we had some snow here last night. But all I saw of it was some snow on the roofs of people's cars. <laughs> it's the worst place to have the snow. That means you have to clean it off. Okay, so in this episode, we're talking about Smalltalk debugging. And Smalltalk has a very powerful debugging environment. The debugger in Smalltalk started back in the original Smalltalk back in the 1980s. And I think every dialect of Smalltalk has a pretty reasonable debugger. And there are some differences here and there. But um, you can find some pretty uh, difficult problems uh, in Smalltalk code using that debugger. It's quite an amazing little tool. Yeah, at this point, I can't imagine having a system without a debugger like that. I would find myself very handicapped without it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I know many people, especially in the Ruby community, for instance, feel that a debugger is a um, a crutch that you shouldn't need because you should have your all of your tests do all your debugging for you. When you make a change and one of your tests fails, then that should be enough. But no, not really. I think it's just sour grapes. They were saying the same things about virtual machines a while ago, and now they're building one. And they were saying the same thing about garbage collection. Yep. <laughs> so the Smalltalk debugger is interesting. Um, it does show you a, a, a full stack trace of where you are and all the calls that have led up to where you are. And the interesting thing is that because Smalltalk shows source code on a per-method basis, at every level of the stack trace, you can see the method and in fact, all of the variables of that method right in the debugger window. So that's a, that's a very useful and powerful ability. And the, the code that you see in the debugger is the code that is actually running in the system right now. There is no difference between the code you see in the debugger and what's actually running, which um, might not be quite the case in uh, in some languages that have packaged runtimes and Maybe your development environment isn't quite synced up with your runtime environment. In Smalltalk, it's guaranteed to be the case. It's all shared code. Right. And indeed, in most Smalltalk implementations, you can easily uh, get hold of previous versions of the method you're looking at as well. And in fact, uh, in most Smalltalk debuggers, you can change the code right in the debugger, and it changes it in the system for you. Yeah, I guess that feature has made its way into some other systems under the name Edit and Continue. Although Edit and Continue is not quite as powerful sometimes as what Smalltalk does, because uh, while I have a debugger open in Smalltalk, I can actually change, for instance, the, um, the structure of a class. I can add extra instance variables in, and it works even when there's a debugger open on a method running in that class. Yeah, since all the time is runtime, when you have a debugger open is no different than any other time you're editing code. You can uh, mutate the shape of classes and instances just like you can at any other time. Now, in the past, when uh, you want to explicitly enter the debugger, you could go into your code and put in uh, a statement called self-halt, which will stop the execution of your program at that point and open the debugger on it. 
And that still works. Uh, many environments these days have better ways of stopping the execution called breakpoints. And breakpoints don't change the source code in order to stop the execution and debug your method. Right, although they do uh, modify compiled methods made from that source code, right? So, so that is an example of getting slightly out of sync between your source code and the compiled methods made from them. Slightly out of sync, but not in a horrible way. Uh, it's um, basically by adding a breakpoint, it does change your compiled method, but um, it doesn't change it in a way that really alters the functionality of the method. And uh, once you take the breakpoint out, your method goes back to its original state. Yeah, it doesn't change it in a way that changes the meaning of the method. And it's a good example of a famous maxim by Peter Deutsch uh, from the early days of Smalltalk. Cheat all you can, but don't get caught. <laughs> yes, that's uh, a, common, a common phrase used in the compiler construction. Is You can cheat all you want in the compiler, just don't get caught doing it. Yeah, in fact, you must cheat all you can. <laughs> that's right. The debugger also shows you the values of the um, instance variables of the object that you're looking at. It shows you the argument values that are being passed in, and it shows you the values of temporary variables that are visible. And the amazing thing is that all of these things are changeable um, in the debugger itself. So you can actually change the value of, let's say, an instance variable or a, uh, a temporary variable and restart that method and keep going. Yep. Indispensable. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, um, well, I'm, I'm sure many other debuggers have that ability, but it is very useful to be able to do that. Some Smalltalk debuggers, and in this case, I'm thinking um, VisualWorks and a little bit of uh, VA Smalltalk, uh, will have something called probes, which is um, instead of stopping execution and entering the debugger, they will do something to record the fact that they got here and then just keep executing forward. For instance, you could have a window that holds a log of all of the times you hit the certain probe, and uh, it'll print something out on that window, which is really useful that it doesn't interrupt the flow of execution, but it does tell you that something happened there. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so those are all very useful uh, aspects of the debugger. Um, so let's start... There, there are two ways of getting into the debugger. One I've mentioned already is to either put in a self-halt or breakpoint. And the other is that something happens in your program that was unexpected. And uh, because an unexpected exception occurred, it automatically opened the debugger. Right. In fact, that's the only way you can get into debugger is at some point an exception uh, being unhandled. The path by which you got there might be hidden from you in the user interface, but that's really what's happening underneath, uh, ultimately. So once you get into the debugger, you're, you're in a mode where you can see the execution of the program as it stopped, and you can single step through it. Now, as I understand, most uh, Smalltalk debuggers will actually simulate the execution instead of sort of dropping straight down to the virtual machine and doing actual execution of bytecodes. They will actually simulate the bytecodes uh, as you step through the program. Right. There's a whole uh, simulation infrastructure supporting the debugger. Uh, not to be confused with the virtual machine simulator in Squeak. That's sort of a, a different level yet again. Yeah, there are many, many different levels, which makes this rather complicated. But um, uh, classically, you can uh, step over a method call, which means uh, stay in the current method and just go to the next statement. 
um, or go into a method call which jumps into another method. Right. One thing I'll point out as well that's different from many uh, debuggers in other languages is that um, in Smalltalk, the debugging is on a per-message basis, not on a per-line basis. When you say step, you'll be stepping over one message send, but you may go to another message send on the same line. Right. So you get a very fine, fine grain of control over the stepping and sending that you wouldn't have quite as easily in some other languages because they're based on lines. There have been cases where um, I guess I've had to do some rather uh, difficult debugging, and I'm going to talk about a few of those. So there's one case where I had, um, I had to debug from Smalltalk down to a C primitive uh, with the same image, the same version of Smalltalk, but a different virtual machine, a different release of the VM. For some reason, one was working properly and the other was not. It was giving us a different number. Something was running, going wrong with the floating point comparisons. So I ended up debugging from Smalltalk and found that on the same image with two different VMs, I was getting identical results going into a DLL, but different results coming out. So I had to then open up a, this was a Windows environment, I had to open up a Visual Studio debugger to put a breakpoint into the, um, into the DLL and trace through that. Uh-huh. And eventually found that... Um, there was one if that on one system it was taking one branch and one system it was taking another branch. And I couldn't quite figure that out until I saw that in the registers in Visual Studio, uh, one answer was more precise than the other. And it turns out that the virtual machine had flipped one of the, well, on one side it had flipped the processor into extended precision mode and the other was double precision. So uh, this was the only time I've ever had to go from Smalltalk debugging down to C debugging down to the uh, status bit uh, the status word of the floating point processor to figure out a problem wow that, that was probably the deepest I've gone how did the debugger help you out here the, the small talk debugger actually only got me so far because the problem was way way down into the floating point processor so I couldn't actually see at the small talk level what the problem was but it got me down to the point where I knew I was calling out to a DLL, and then I had to switch. And you can actually do this. You can actually run um, Smalltalk under a C debugger as well, and then debug into the uh, the DLLs. It was possible to do that, and that's what that's what did it for me. But uh, Smalltalk tries to hide away some of the details of how the uh, the processor works, and uh, for the most part, that's uh, that's a valuable thing. In this case, I needed to see the details of the processor to figure out this particular problem. Right. So at least the Smalltalk debugger was able to narrow down the scope of things you had to look at in SeaWorld. So as we were saying, all paths into the debugger are through exception handling. Exceptions in Smalltalk are normal Smalltalk objects, just like everything else. And normally you have handlers for them. But sometimes, like when a message is not understood, you have an unhandled exception and the system has built-in code to run some other code in that case when there's no handle that the programmers put in. And that's what opens the debugger. And there are many different ways you can respond to exceptions. You can precede them or terminate them or re-raise them. And I should say, in a development environment, it will open your debugger. In a runtime environment, if you have an unhandled exception, it will normally do something like write out some sort of stack trace and shut down the program. 
this is what a small talk system will do instead of crashing. The system always has a more graceful reaction than just uh, dumping core, for example. Say if there's been a division by zero or something like that. Yeah, and you always have the option to intercept that even in a runtime system to do something a bit different. Um, on one system that I work on, when we get an unhandled exception, we will actually write out a file uh, containing a complete stack trace and then ship that by um, some sort of uh, file communication, file transfer protocol to another system where the developers can then look at those files. So we can actually see the uh, walkbacks that people had in the field. Right. I've seen some systems too where you can actually debug them uh, from somewhere else, uh, from another machine. Uh, and that's an example of remote debugging. There are lots of interesting things you can do with exceptions and debuggers uh, on a machine other than the one where the unhandled exception occurred. So how does that work? You do a lot of that with your context uh, system, don't you? Yeah. That's sort of built on a, having a remote messaging system, being able to send a message to an object that's on another machine that's running in a small a virtual machine on a different physical machine. And once you have that, then you can send all all the messages to all the objects that you could locally, and that includes all the exception handling and debugging support. So if the remote messaging system is done properly, uh, you don't have to make any special changes to your uh, debugging tools at all. They, they all just work. So they just the debugging tools think that the object is just local when really it's uh, on another system across the network. Right. In fact, you have to use special virtual machine support to be able to tell if an object that you're talking to uh, is not local. Yeah, that's a common, uh, a common difficulty with uh, remote objects is that you can't even tell that they're remote objects without some assistance. Yeah. Uh, it sounds very similar, actually, to some of the things that happen in Gemstone. Um, Gemstone works in a client-server mode where the server is a Gemstone server that runs Smalltalk. And uh, quite often, your client is also a Smalltalk system that runs maybe VisualWorks or VA Smalltalk. And um, there can be exceptions raised in, in the Gemstone environment, which then get propagated and debugged on the on the client environment. So it's a kind of a similar sort of thing. I, I think you have a little bit more remote uh, communication going on than what uh, Gemstone does, but uh, it's a similar a similar technique. Uh -huh. So uh, Smalltalk's debugger, as we mentioned, is a, a tool that is available uh, in virtually any Smalltalk. And interestingly, it's not used just for debugging. Uh, we'll use Smalltalk to help us learn about the code. And realistically, on any large system, there are going to be sections of the system which you don't understand yourself. Somebody else wrote maybe years ago and you have to get in and figure out what's going on. And quite often you can run those, but you don't necessarily know how the code works. And this is where the Smalltalk debugger comes in to help because you can trace through that code and be able to see at any point what your variables are, what your stack is, and you can play around with uh, that code that you're not familiar with and learn it using the debugger. So we use it as a a big aid in trying to figure out how the system is put together and how it works. Right. I often use the debugger to write code which doesn't exist yet, the concept of debugging code into existence. 
And this is an example also of debugging your understanding into existence as well. And debugging code into existence is quite fun. Um, I've seen people use that as their main way of writing code, that most of their code is written starting from a debugger. And so they'll, um, they'll debug so far and then, oh, I need to do something else. Well, let me create the method right here in the debugger and I'll code through it. A new awareness of this technique has developed, usually under the name live coding. There's a conference coming up on live coding, isn't there? That's right. Uh, in England, in uh, July, I think, there's going to be a, a live coding conference coming up. It's mostly about musical applications of live coding. Do you know of anyone from the Smalltalk world who might be involved with uh, that conference? Oh, I'll be there for sure. I actually don't know of anyone else from Smalltalk land who's going to be there, uh, but I should try to recruit some people. Yeah. Um, it would be an interesting trip to uh, to go to the conference and see what's going on. You say it's mostly music. Uh, do they ac accept other kinds of live coding presentations? I think at this conference, no, it's going to be about music, but that would be a whole other interesting idea for a conference as well. Yeah. Well, you certainly have the uh, interest and experience in the music aspect, so uh, I'd be interested to see what uh, what you present there. Um, do you know if there are going to be uh, recordings of that conference? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be uh, heavily recorded. Hmm. I'll keep an eye open for it. Yeah, we'll put a link to the, the conference uh, website in the show notes. Yes. Um, another technique for debugging um, that I've used in the past uh, is called method wrappers. Uh, this allows you to run code before and after an actual method is run. And so you basically instrument the methods that you're interested in wrapping uh, with a wrapper that runs things before and after. So you can capture what's going into a method and what's coming out of a method and do things with it. And it doesn't interrupt the flow of control. It doesn't stop the system from running. And it doesn't slow it down very much. But you can get things like message traces and you can get um, uh, values of parameters passed in and out. And you can record all those things. And that will often help you debug a problem, especially if it's a real-time problem that if you were using a debugger, it would stop, and you can't stop during the debugging of a real-time problem. Right. Well, and this is also another area where remote debugging could be uh, useful. Sometimes it's very useful to have the system running the debugger being different from the system being debugged. Now, with the um, system running the debugger, being separate from the system being debugged, uh, I guess you're still uh, susceptible to communication losses, but chances are you're not going to get a communications loss at the same time as a bug. Right. Yeah, there's, there's some problems that are not compatible with this approach because of timing concerns, but that's, that's a pretty small uh, number. Yeah. And in fact, um, uh, having your development environment separate from your, uh, the system that you're um, debugging uh, is often helpful that uh, your system then can be smaller and uh, you can have more powerful tools that you can load into your development environment that you may not want to push out to your remote, uh, your remote unit. Yeah, exactly. When I was doing the minimal kernel part of context, the remote debugging technique was essential for that. There were some things that I was removing from a classical Smalltalk system, the user interface, for example, which would have been very difficult to uh, deal with if I'd had to do it all from within the system I was changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I could see that having the more powerful tools helps a lot. Um, one thing about Smalltalk debugging, which uh, is, I guess, pretty amazing, 
is that all of the Smalltalk source code is available to you all the time, including the source code written by the vendor. And so if you're stepping through code, uh, oftentimes you're stepping through the vendor code as well. So that's just uh, that's very unusual for, um, for debuggers to be able to step through vendor code uh, in addition to your own. Right. It's a, an extremely valuable uh, learning tool. In every small talk I've seen, in addition to being able to select an expression and uh, choose do it or print it or inspect it, I've also seen debug it. So you can uh, highlight any expression and go right into a debugger on it to step through. Yeah, any uh, any modern uh, small talk will have a debug it option. Um, initially, it used to be just uh, do it and print it. Then later they added inspect it, and then after that they added debug it. Yeah, that's just uh, so valuable for learning. In fact, I would encourage anyone who hasn't uh, used Smalltalk before, as as we're speaking here, to uh, pause the podcast and grab a Smalltalk and type in an expression and debug it. Yeah, it's very useful. Um, I think uh, it would be good for us to, uh, I think I'll do this myself, I'll put up a um, uh, a video showing how the debugger works and uh, how you can step through things. So I will take uh, one of my programs and uh, do some debugging through it and post that up as a separate video. Oh, cool. So that's something I'd like to start doing more of is creating videos of uh, a small talk in action. So um, Smalltalk does have some uh, pretty cool debugging facilities. Um, there, There's always the old standby. If you don't want to use the debugger, if something... Um, if there's some reason that uh, you can't stop the execution and trace points don't work, the old standby is always to record information into the system transcript. And so at any point in your code, you can say transcript show some text, and it will write that right into the transcript, and you can see it. Uh, that technique is uh, still available. It's sort of fallen out of favor because our other debugging tools are so good that we don't really need to output to the transcript. But uh, it's still available if people want to use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me it feels a lot like uh, printf from C, uh, which still gives me shivers. <laughs> yes, printf debugging. And then how do you get rid of all those printfs? Oh, it's a compile time option. Oh, okay. Right. You recompile your whole system. Okay, how quaint. <laughs> so... Anyways, but uh, yeah, the transcript option is still there, uh, but uh, people tend not to use it with uh, with the good debugging techniques we have these days. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much uh, wraps up this topic. So uh, you can contact us at smalltalkreflections at thiscontext.com. You can visit our blog at smalltalkreflections.blogspot.ca and leave your comment there. Or you can post your review in iTunes. You can tweet me with at BuckDK. And you can tweet to me at C-C-R-R-A-A-I-I-G-G. Craig Ladder performed the music and edited the podcast. We'll see you next week. See you next week.